Welcome, Learn Lead fam, to another Learn Lead Thursday. How we doing, Landon? Doing good as always, man. Doing good. Awesome. You want to? Uh, we got another interview that we got for you guys uh, with a up and coming entrepreneur, Mike Avelli. Landon, you want to tee that up for us? Yeah. So, like Tony said, Mike Avelli, he's an up and coming entrepreneur in the state of Delaware. Really, over the past couple of years, he's gained a large following through his podcast, uh, his social media presence, and he's taken some some pretty interesting trips around the world. And he's even started a public speaking campaign throughout the state of Delaware. So really had a good, interesting conversation with him. We talked about real estate. We talked about the markets. We talked about his business that he runs. He owns his own transportation company um, in the state of Delaware. So he's got a lot going on. He does a lot and he has a, a pretty pretty big following and a growing following on social media. I thought it was uh, I thought it was pretty cool having a guy on that's uh, pretty much our age and he could super relate to anyone that's really young listening to this. The fact that, I mean, he even went to college for four years and he was still able to do all these business ventures. Guy's super educated, knows a lot about finance, knows a lot about entrepreneurship and has a growing desire to learn. So as we were saying, Mike Avelli. This is the Learn Lead Podcast with your hosts, Tony V and Landon Arcangelo coming to you with exclusive access inside the lives of some of the world's most successful leaders. Mike, how we doing, brother? Mike Ovelli is in the building. What's up, fellas? How you doing? What's up, doing Mike? Good, man. Appreciate it. I'm, 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 I'm Tony. I'm, uh, I'm Mike. <laughs> <laughs> nice to meet so, you guys. So, Mike, uh, you know, we're both Delaware guys, but I haven't crossed paths with you yet, surprisingly. I, you know, recently I've been following you for a while and seeing you kind of blow up a little bit recently in the area. You're doing a lot of stuff. I'll give you the floor to kind of dive into that a little bit, but Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm going to list a couple of things that I th- that I think you're up to, and um, you're doing a lot of things really well. It seems so. You, you own a business with your family. Um, you're into real estate. You do some day trading. Uh, you do a lot of public speaking events, and uh, you recently started a podcast called The Rise. So I just threw a lot up there, but feel free to just kind of dive in and tell us kind of what's going on in your world and and where you've yeah. been and, and where you see yourself going with it. Yeah, of course. So uh, recently. Like you, you said, I, I do a lot of public speaking. I don't do a lot of public speaking yet, but I really want to get into public speaking. That's one of my main goals is to, uh, you know, kind of get that like Tony Robbins, Ed Milet, Gary Vaynerchuk type style, but mm-hmm. uh, do some more gigs like that. I recently had my first one in, uh, in Dover High School uh, or actually Dover Middle. Uh, we we're just talking to some of the students about entrepreneurship and building brands and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, just trying to like coach them into different things that they're interested in and showing them the the entrepreneurship path that they can possibly take, uh, you know, to fulfill their dreams with whatever it was. Like some of them wanted to be songwriters. Some of them wanted to be video game developers. You know, I'm just like, we're just sitting there coming up with ideas, talking to them about the importance of consistency and uh, building mindset, you know, those types of things. So there's that, um, I do have the uh, the a business with my with my family. So three years ago, me and my grandmother we started this transportation business, and um, sorry, and the transportation business is called Delaware First Transportation. And uh, what we do is we have a contract with the state of Delaware and uh, Smyrna School District, 
and we transport their uh, like quote unquote displaced students. So they're like foster kids or uh, families in need. Uh, what it is is Delaware is a very pro-choice state. So what that means is that um, through a lot of the situations that some of these students go through, the, the state gives them the option to choose where they want to go to school. So we have kids who just say, for instance, they were going to Smyrna School District and then their house burned down and they have to live with uncle up in Claymont, Delaware. And if you know Delaware, it's, you know, about like an hour, hour and 20 minutes away. Right. So that's where, you know, where we come in since they still want to go to Smyrna School District and maintain that uh, that like balanced life with their friends and, you know, same teachers. That way it's not constantly switching things up in their life. Like these kids going through school and, you know, being an adolescent go through enough already. So the state just wants to, you know, keep that keep some of the same consistency in their life. Do you do you personally you personally drive or you guys automated that to the fact that you guys got employees doing that now? Yeah, yeah, no, I still personally drive, and so does my grandmother. Uh, she actually likes driving a lot because she loves kids. Uh, I want to get us to the, of course, to the point though where it is more automated. So we're hoping in the next maybe year or two that uh, we can, you know, step away from the driving and just like you said, have it more on automation. But uh, take some time to, you know, build some of these systems and build the business and find the right people to actually work with. You know what I mean? And bring into your company. Because a lot of the people don't necessarily have the same vision as you and don't work as hard. And you know what I mean? So, like, we got to, we got to really screen some of the people. And some of the candidates that we're, we're trying to find and work with necessarily aren't, like, it's hard to find workers for our field. Because uh, we don't necessarily pay someone an extremely amount of money to drive these kids because it, it doesn't take a lot of effort <laughs> or a lot of work. And we provide vans and everything. Uh, so we pay about like 15 to $18 an hour and they only get about, you know, 20 to 25 hours a week because it's just driving, you know, to and from school. Um, so our main market for workers is like people that are retired, someone that already has a pension or some extra money coming in that they, you know, can uh, supplemental like $400 a week, $300 a week, it, you know, is good good for them works for them especially with the hours because you wake up early and you get off pretty early you know done your day by five and then you get a huge break in, in between but uh so yeah we've just been doing that for the neck for the last three years building that up we started with two vans i bought one van she bought the other and then uh now we at we're at eight vans i believe we just bought our eighth van we have two eight passengers we've got uh four yeah, four ten passengers and two twelve passengers. So that's awesome, man. That's yeah, uh, it's good that. to see it. It's good to see it grow like that. So what's the what's the long term vision in the ideal in an ideal sense? What's the what's the vision there to see it grow to how big? Um, I mean, as as big as we can get. Like some of our competition in in Delaware, uh, Delmarva Transportation. I don't know if you've ever seen them, but they've got like 40, 50 vans, and they're in almost like every single district within the state. So, I mean, the sky's the limit. If, you know, we if we can get to be that big, that's great. You know, we just got to have the infrastructure behind it to, to back it and to be able to build, you know, uh, up to that level. Because where, where we saw a void was looking at companies like that and saying, we can do it that much better. Because companies like Delmarva are big, 
but they're at the point where they're too big that it's unsustainable for them to like manage their people. Like their cars and vans are like, excuse for lack of better words, but shit. <laughs> like their vans, like some of them don't have seatbelts. Their workers are rude to some of the students. Like some of the students will tell us horror stories from when they switch. Like, yeah, we got in the vans and the seats would move or they would get us there 45 minutes late. And it's like, if you're a van company and you're getting students to and from school, like you have one job, <laughs> one single job is to get them there on time. And some of them, they can't even do that. So we just decided to come in and say, hey, you know, we can do this better. And Mike, you're you're 24 years old, correct? Yeah. And you're in. You do some real estate work as well. You you just bought a home recently, correct? You're 24 years old. Just bought your first house. Yeah, man. Trying to get more and more into the real estate world. Uh, my main goal is to be an investor in that world because I like to think of myself as <laughs> as being lazy sometimes. Even though I know I'm a hard worker, but I like to make my money work for me and not the other way around. So. That's my main goal of being in real estate. I want to eventually buy, you know, apartment complexes and syndicate deals like that where I'm looking at large amounts of cash flow monthly. Um, currently, like, like you just said, I did buy my first house in September um, and then I, I house hacked it. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of that term. It's used on bigger pockets a lot, but pretty much I, I bought a house and it was a two bedroom. Um, I renovated it up, put a third bedroom in there. Um, and then I'm renting out the other two rooms and living in the other. And so living for free slash making a little bit of money off of it. And and so you you say uh, you say you look at yourself a little bit lazy, but I tell you what, I, I follow you and I see some of the, some of your your daily posts and things like that. Tell everybody what your daily routine looks like. And I don't I don't know this guys who for who are listening. Everyone's listening here. I I don't know what the daily routine is, but I can guarantee you. It doesn't resemble laziness. Go ahead and run us through your your daily your daily schedule and right. the average day for for Mike. I appreciate that. I think I just I'm just like more hard on myself because my parents are always like you know pushed me to new levels when I was younger. You know, just right. always constantly like on my shit. <laughs> but uh, so I guess that my daily routine would be I wake up every day about six o'clock, five thirty six. And then um, I'm on the road already by like 6.30. Um, then picking up the kids, drop them off. I'm done by like 9 o'clock. By 9.15, I'm already in the gym till about 10, 10.30-ish, uh, depending on, you know, the type of workout I'm trying to get. And then go home, shower, eat, meditate, uh, maybe do some reading, maybe do a little bit extra work. Uh, take like a, you know, 30 minute nap or so, and then get back to, you know, driving some of the kids. And then once I get back uh, off of work about like five o'clock, then, you know, I either go to networking events for a couple hours or go to my office, do some extra work and then, uh, then you know, rinse and repeat. <laughs> right, right. And your your office is up in Wilmington, right? And yeah. is that a, you recently started leasing that out and working at it out of that office up in the in the city? I've had it for about a year, so since like okay. last February. Um, okay. But recently, I just been started doing a lot of like the promotion. Like I had first got the the office because I wanted to get into the CBD field, so I like saw it, you know, a huge opportunity with that last year. And then I kind of 
I like faded away from that just because I saw the large competition that was in the space and I didn't really have like a huge affinity for it. So, um, you know, I was just like, all right, let me stop that. And then I put the focus on to this podcast because I had been doing the podcast for about a year or so, but I had just been getting, you know, interviews here and there, here and there. And then towards Mm -hmm. this past summer, that was when I started uh, like actually working towards releasing episodes and you know making this thing an actual thing right right so so talk about that um the your journey so far with this you're you have a podcast you're on apple music spotify iHeartRadio. radio i'm probably missing a couple in there um talk about what, what's the name of your podcast talk about what it, who it's for and, and, and what's what your goals are with it so the name of the podcast is called the rise by mike Avelli. Um, and my major goal within it is to pretty much put a spotlight and showcase uh, youth entrepreneurs. You know, some some of the things that you guys are doing as well with within your own podcast. Uh, but I listen to podcasts a lot and I have, you know, a lot of different favorites. Um, but I feel like a lot of the people that they bring on to podcasts are, you know, a lot older. And of course, they've quote unquote made it. Right. But they've made it in a completely different time frame, different like social frame, economic, like technologically, like everything was different about the time frame that they made their, you know, their riches or their wealth, whatever the case may be, when they built their businesses. I want the people I want to interview the people that are, you know, doing stuff in today's society, making it happen right now. So that way, you know, I can relay that to other people and to the youth. So that way. They can build ideas and also, you know, gain some inspiration as like, oh, wow, that person is, you know, 24 years old and he bought his first house at 24 years old. I can do that, too. You know what I mean? Like that type of inspiration. Yeah, I like that because it's uh, it's now empowering the youth because now we're all connected with the social media age. Everything's changed. And so now we're all on the come up. And so everything that they've learned, it's like these guys, Tony Robbins, Gary Vee and all them. Great. They could teach us a lot, but we also could be taught from ourselves. Like, listen, you're getting after it at 24, leveraging social media, doing all these things. It's good to see someone that can really, really relate to you in the uh, in the phase that we're at in life. So I kind of want to transition to that about what would your thoughts be? Would your advice be to a, an entrepreneur, someone who has an entrepreneurial type mindset and uh, if they should go to college or not? Uh, so I graduated from University of Delaware in 2017. Um, and... It like saying whether someone should go or shouldn't go. Um, it's like it's I sit and think about that all the time because like I, I preach sometimes now like, oh, yeah, like F college, like you don't need it. And to a certain extent, yeah, that's true in today's society. But the biggest thing, period, is the biggest thing about college is just education. You know what I mean? So if you're not going to go to college, that's fine. But at least self-educate yourself, you know, constantly on a daily basis. Learn new skills, learn, you know, just new, read a lot, learn learn a lot of new information because you never know, uh, like, what area you're going to succeed in. I Just like you, you said, you raffled off, like, a lot of different things, you know, <laughs> that, I, that I do. Before that, before this point right now, I had done a, tons more stuff, but it's, it's, you know, kind of just like me trying out different things and seeing what I like, seeing what I don't like, seeing where my skills fit best for me, uh, you know, so on and so forth. But yeah, so I think that uh, students should, 
I think that people should go to college if they're, you know, confused about life still. They don't really like have that much of a hustle. Uh, because like if, if you don't go to college, then you definitely need to be a, a true hustler. You know what I mean? You have to constantly grind and work off, like work your ass off and make a lot of connections because that's what's going to help you get farther and succeed in life. One of the biggest things that I, I you know, that I benefit from uh, at University of Delaware is the amount of connections that I have. I mean, besides the ex- experiences that, you know, you can never pay back or, or you know, the time that you was there, you can never get that back. And there it's filled with awesome memories. Um, but at the same time, you know, like $100,000 to Sally Mae very hurts a lot, especially for a young entrepreneur and people coming out of college that don't necessarily, even once they graduate college, don't have an idea of what they want to do in life. Pretty much exactly what I said before. Like, if you're going to go to college, great, figure out a path for you that works for you um, and figure out some interests that you really want to dive into that are going to last you for the rest of your life. And if you're not going to go to college, then you're going to need to work your ass off. <laughs> so, you know, that that's pretty much like the, the two, two mediums. And if you're going to go to college, too, if you have rich parents that can pay off your college, great. You know, and if you're not, I would suggest looking at getting scholarships, as many scholarships as possible. In terms of self-educating, do you, uh, when did you start reading and uh, any books that you recommend and how often do you recommend reading and just kind of dive into that just a little bit? Um, I mean, definitely recommend reading every single day. Not that I do read every single day. Um, I would, I'd like to, sometimes I just get caught up in different things. Um, but, uh, couple books that I've read that I really recommend, of course, the cliche one, rich dad, poor dad, um, definitely the alchemist and probably richest man in Babylon and, uh, how to win friends and influence people. Those are like four of my favorite books that I've ever read. And I started self-educating myself uh, in high school, like senior year in high school. That was when my uncle, he introduced me to Rich Dad, Poor Dad. But he didn't introduce me to the first book. He introduced me to the second book, which is called A Second Chance. And it was all about uh, what to do like after a recession and you know how to thrive after a recession. It also went over like the the four quadrants of investor, employee, business owner, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But that started piquing my interest because I had always like been into business and like been into entrepreneurship since I was little. Like when I was living in Philly, I would uh, challenge the kids around the block for like I had this little golf thing, a uh, rollout golf thing, and I would charge them a dollar to come and play with me. And, you know, play against me, bet against me, et cetera, et cetera. So I built stuff up like that. And of course, trading Pokemon cards. Then I had the book. So I knew every price of every single Pokemon card. So I would hustle some of the kids around the block. But uh, uh, yeah, like I've always been into that realm. And uh, just when I got into high school and I read that book that my uncle gave me, it kind of just like changed my mindset. And it just like forced me to start learning more. Uh, because there's so much stuff that I realized that I didn't know about business and making money. Um, and then, yeah, I just kept on going with it from there. I just like kind of fell in love with all that stuff. And then that was around the time that people like Gary Vaynerchuk or, 
you know, like Instagram was getting big. So then you, I started seeing all these people that were doing all these amazing entrepreneurship stuff and business things. So it was just like, a, it was an inspiration. So like the same inspiration that they gave me, I want to be able to give back to the people. So Mike, uh, Robert Kiyosaki, Kiyosaki, is that how you say his last name? Yeah, Kiyosaki. He's the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, for those of you guys who don't know. He comes at, at a lot of topics um, and just how people handle their money and work with money and um, people's viewpoints on money. And the overarching idea, I think, is is some people work for money and then some people let money work for them, right? And that kind of leads me into the question I had for you. You know, I know that you have, you know, you've done a little bit of day trading, you've done some stock trading and worked in some, in some of that space. But Robert Kiyosaki talks about all thresholds of different types of investing and real estate is his biggest, I would say his biggest practice in his investment and his investment space. Can you talk a little bit about your investment experience in, in the stock market, in the markets, as well as just real estate overall and the things that you've learned and, and where you see yourself going with all that stuff? Yeah. I mean, like I said, I see myself going towards the investor realm, like I explained in the beginning, because that's what I really want. <laughs> um, and that's the only true way to really build wealth. Um, stocks, you can't really build wealth with stocks like they're, they're tertiary assets, um, you know, and the the wealth or the, the value of those stocks can change, you know, day to day, like it. A stock could be Tesla could be worth whatever it is right now, like seven hundred dollars or a share or something like that. And by tomorrow, it could be worth zero dollars. You know, so investing in stock markets or any market period, because I don't just invest in stocks. I invest in stocks. I trade options. I trade Forex. I collect gold and silver. Um, you know, I've traded cryptocurrency. I had some Bitcoin when that that wave was big. Uh, so I, I did pretty decent during then. Um, but like investing, investing in stuff like that is like it's it's a constant, constant game because you got to be on top of everything. you got to watch right. the news constantly. you got to, uh, you know, be on Bloomberg, seeing where the stock is going to go, looking at uh whether the news that's coming out is going to affect your stocks or whether something in China is going to affect the, you know, the supply chain of X, Y, and Z to affect Amazon stocks or Alibaba, you know, all these different things that play into effect of uh, whether the stock is going to go up or down. Mm -hmm. So like I, I trade all those, I trade things here and there, but a lot of my time in recently has been uh, like invested more into the real estate on uh, podcasting and just like self-development stuff, just because like I realized that I, I I like trading, but I don't love it. You know what right. I mean? Mm -hmm. And since it takes so much time, I'd rather put that time into somewhere else that, you know, I might see larger benefits over a larger period of time. You could make right. a, a decent amount, like a good amount of money in stocks here and there, but you could also lose a lot, especially if you're trading things like Forex. Like that was the huge wave that had been going on for like the last couple of years and all the MLMs and network marketing companies that came out for that. Uh, but like there was days in trading Forex that like I made two, three thousand dollars a day. And then there was some days where some of those trades I lost two, three thousand dollars in five minutes. In essence, it's almost more stressful than an actual job because you you don't even have you still have to put your time into it. So it's not actually automated to where you have legit wealth, where you have your time and uh, your money in time. You know, what I'm saying you, you don't have your free time. It's all you're still trading time for dollars in a way. 
exactly. Unless you got a CFP, you know what I mean? And you're you're investing with like stockbrokers and things like that that are trying to manage your money. But I also don't trust a lot of them because they kind of just like place your money from here to there. And like you get rich on paper, but like, I don't know, like it, it's just that whole game is just different. But yeah, exactly like you said. That's uh that's interesting to me too, because you know, we're both in the financial services industry, um, in the financial planning industry. And I was interested to hear your take on all that because the day trading space isn't really where we work. Um, we're more in the long term wealth accumulation kind of kind of phase and stage of people when we do the when we're talking about investing mm-hmm. and making sure, you know, asset allocation and, and, and rebalancing of the portfolio and just kind of centered around their goals. So that's why I was interested to hear kind of your experience in the day trading space because you know, in the financial services industry, most advisors are brokers, they're licensed brokers, but um, the, the the model today, you know, is kind of shifting towards those CFP certified financial planners, so to speak, um, who are more focused on the, the tax implications and more focused on making sure your money is in the right buckets to make sure that you're not paying more money to the government than necessary. Um, so it's it's interesting. Do you have, have you had any experiences with with financial advisors or planners that has ha- that has made you have that experience or, or have that feeling towards them, or you just feel like the industry itself kind of leans that way? Um, I feel like so. I've had experiences on both ends, and it's nothing to knock any sort of any CFP, not to knock you guys or anything, you know, because there's some people that really know their stuff. Um, but I feel like a lot of the companies now kind of just prey on people uh, that coming out of college that need a job. You know what I mean? So like there's right. so many people that I know that like couldn't find a job and then all of a sudden they're a certified certified financial planner. You know what I mean? And it sounds sexy and it sounds cool like that. But a lot of times these companies just use you guys to get in with your family or some of your other connections. And they know that you're not really going to stick around too, too long. Because it's not that profitable and it's a lot of fucking work. Um, <laughs> sorry, excuse my language. But uh, no, you're good. You're good. But like, I feel like you know that if you're a certified financial planner and you're managing money and stuff like that, you should be a lot wealthier than I am. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because I don't want someone managing my money that I know what to do with my money more than they know what to do with their money. <laughs> and and is that the experience that you've had? You've you've seen financial planners in your space or in your that are connected with you not doing well? I wouldn't say necessarily not doing well, but I know that like I self-educate myself a lot more on money management and you know finances and things like that. So like I know like pretty much exactly where I sit with all my assets and everything. And then I, I know when I want to invest more into something or take out, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So like, I'm kind of like my own CFP. <laughs> right. Now you're a do-it-yourselfer. You're, you're a do-it-yourselfer, right? And that, that could definitely, you know, like go against me sometimes because like I'm not a fully do-it-myselfer for everything. Mm-hmm. Just things that I know that, you know, I... I I have the confidence at that I feel like I'm I'm probably better off at. And I don't trust again, like I said, I don't trust a lot of like the the stocks and things like that because wealth can just be lost, like, you know, from day to day. Yeah, and, and for every winner there's a loser, right? It's a simple it's a very basic I mean, statement, but when it comes to the markets, it is very true. For every winner there is a loser. There's a reason for everybody being on the other side of the deal. Right. It's straight straight zero sum game. Yeah. But uh but to go to go back to what you're saying about um 
the financial service industry. I've been in it for two years now, and I, I couldn't agree more with you that the majority of these companies, um, the, the 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 barrier of entry is super small, um, super light. They're they're really all about taking 30, 40, 50 people and throwing them at a wall and see, seeing who sticks. And it is very predatory in a lot of these companies. Um, they want to get in on your family and they want you to, you know, they mask it and say, we want to help them, which in a lot of ways, there are, there's a lot of good that comes out of it. Um, yeah. But I have seen and experienced a lot of these companies being, you know, extremely, uh, it's a numbers game for them, right? They go, okay, we're going to bring in 50, 60 interns or 50, 60 first year, you know, representatives or advisors. And, uh, you know, and we can get they're going to essentially, right. From them each, you know? Right. Yeah. And, and, and the, the problem there, the problem with that strategy and that method that I've seen, um, from other companies is that you're not really bringing in quality, knowledgeable individuals all the time, right? Like you could be, a you could you could have never studied or taken one course on finance or taken you know done any research on your own or done anything and uh if they think that you are a good talker and you have a, some good connections they're willing to you know bring you in and 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 basically put you out there and send you out there before you know anything mm-hmm. and i think that is a problem in the industry and it it causes there to be distrust across the board you know, coast to coast uh, with advisors and financial planners and things in that nature. Because I will say, and I will speak for for just being in it for two years, there are a lot of good advisors out there. There are a lot of smart financial planners out there that have the client's best interest in their heart. They're not trying to be salesmen. Um, they're not trying to, you know, put someone in a situation that's not going to be the best, you know, well, option for them. Do good and be like a real financial planner. Right. And, and that's, that is what I think, like, I couldn't agree more with you though. There's a ton out there where, you know, they're, they're essentially, they have imposter syndrome, right? They, Mm -hmm. they are, they're coming to you and they're being vague and they're, you know, asking them a bunch of questions and they don't really know the answers to the questions, but they're going to try to, you know, but not to go down a rabbit hole too much, but um, relationships as well too, because then they start pinning, you know, your friends against you. And then, then, they're sitting there, like they tell your friends to call you and it's like, oh, hey, what's up, man? And then you can tell already, like just off the way that they're talking, that they're <laughs> that they're not being themselves. You know what I mean? And then they start pitching you and the whole time their advisor is sitting right next to them, telling them, you know, exactly what to say, feeding them. And then they want to make sure that they come with them to, to meetings and, you know, get them into the office. And it's just like, it's super just like sneaky. <laughs> that's And that's that was your experience overall, it sounds like. Yeah. I mean, not for all of them, because, again, like I know other financial planners, just just like you said, that do the right thing and do it well and, you know, and and have good intentions. But for majority of people, you know, especially lately, it's just, you know, it's different. Well, that's why in especially in New York, everything has to be suitable for the client, which is fine because of the fact that we have to make sure that we're always doing right by the client. So I I struggled in the beginning of my career just uh trying to be transactional. Now I'm all about the full-on relationship because people have to do their life insurance, their retirement planning. So I'd rather just create the relationship with them. And then if they want to do the business with me, that'll just work that way instead of trying to really push someone. And that just pushes them away trying to be salesy. Yeah, it does. But to uh, to transition out of that, Mike, is there anything you want to leave our listeners with? Um, we, kinda, we talked about a, a wide array of things. Is there anything that we don't know about you that we should and uh, what is to come for Michael Hmm. 
what is to come from Microvelli, and what's something that you guys don't know about me? I mean, there's still a lot that you guys don't know about me for sure. Uh, maybe we could talk a little bit more on the next episode. <laughs> but, Absolutely. Um, shoot, I would say something that most people don't know about me and shocks a lot of people is that uh, I'm a product of teenage parents. <laughs> okay. Um, and then what's to come? Um, you know, greatness, hopefully just constantly pursuing, you know, some of these goals that I have, uh, with the podcast, with entrepreneurship, with my business, with real estate, um, and hopefully can start making a a bigger impact. Hopefully I can get this podcast from a hundred, you know, downloads episode or whatever it's at right now. I think it's somewhere around that to thousand downloads an episode you know hopefully i can get some more speaking engagements uh speaking gigs lined up and start you know making some money from that and getting paid from that traveling the world to do uh speaking that would be an uh you know an amazing accomplishment and then a hell of a dream that i have um so yeah hopefully a lot of those things happen in the near future how can everybody follow you what's the what's your tag on twitter and instagram and uh the podcast name is The Rise, correct? Yep. Okay. So, so the podcast name is The Rise uh, by Michael So you can find that on Apple, you know, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, all you know, all the major places. Uh, also on YouTube, The Rise by Michael Um, You can follow me on Instagram at Michael M I K E A V E L L I. Twitter at the real underscore MJ two four because. My my name is Mike, and then my middle name is Jay, so MJ. <laughs> but um, yeah, so you can follow me on uh, you know on all those platforms. Definitely, if you guys like the uh, the podcast, give it a rate and review for me, please. That would mean tremendous amount to me. Um, and uh, yeah, keep killing shit, guys. I wish you guys the best, and uh, hopefully we can. Uh, you know, we can meet in person. I should be coming up to New York sometime soon. So uh, let's definitely get some lunch or something. Yeah, for sure. Love it. Uh, keep the keep the faith, bro. Keep the vision. We love where your head's at. And uh, it's, we're excited to connect with you. Thanks for sure. being on. <laughs> no, thank you for having me, guys. tuning in to the learn lead podcast where you get to own your life stay tuned for our future guests coming soon make sure to like and subscribe